Now you are on the clock. Hey everyone, it's Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com. We took part in a live FFPC best ball draft last night. We want to go over where some of the rookies went and just discuss the ebb and flow of what happened in that particular draft. The psychology between a slow draft and a live draft is a lot different. Um, basically, in a slow draft, to me, it's like an open book test. You have hours to basically go over your thoughts and you know, review the stats of the various players before you pick them. And a live draft to me is more like it's an exam and you've got 90 seconds to figure out who you want, evaluate your roster construction and see what the other players are doing in the draft, which really affects um, how your team's going to shape up over the course of the draft. So we're going to go round by round. Uh, I drafted out of the seven spot in this particular draft. So these early drafts are usually filled with hardcore drafters. Um, it's always tight. And overall in this draft, I don't know that it came out in a stellar, uh, you know, I didn't have a stellar performance. Um, but this is my first live draft of the year, so you got to jump in there and get your hands dirty at some time. But anyway, we'll go over the draft uh, round by round, like I said, and we'll see what information uh, comes out of that. So we're going to be going over the draft in pairs of rounds. To see the draft board, um, you can go over to the podcast page at FantasyMojo.com. We've got a link to this board. You really want to be looking at this board as we uh, go over what, what happens here. Um, so again, we're drafting out of the seven spot. There are 12 teams, and it's a 28-round draft. For those who aren't familiar, this in the FFPC, it's a tight end premium format, so... Um, Tight ends go early and often in this format. There are also kickers that get drafted, which is unlike a few other formats, and it is a full-point PPR. So the first couple of rounds, um, I'm in the seven spot, and one through five are your typical top five RBs. In this case, it was Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, McCaffrey, and Gurley. Now in the sixth spot, Travis Kelsey went off, which is common in the FFPC format, again, because it's tight and premium. Um, I went with Devontae Adams at the seventh spot. If Kelsey had been there, I probably would have taken him, um, not only because I covet the top three tight ends, but also because I've been getting a lot of six and seven picks overall. And just from a, an overall share perspective, I'm getting a little bit too much uh, Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins um, player share, so I like to diversify a little bit. Nevertheless, we'll go with Adams here. Um, points per game, um, number of targets, number of receptions and touchdowns. I kind of favor him a little bit over DeAndre Hopkins just because I like the Green Bay offense a little bit more than um, Houston. Granted, Hopkins is a stud, but... Uh, Adams is a little bit safer pick as of now for me. So later in this round, another interesting pick was Joe Mixon at uh, pick 10. 
So that's a little higher than he usually goes. Um, clearly, this team at 10 covets him, so um, they don't want to lose him, uh, potentially coming back in the second round and him not being there. Zach Ertz is the second tight end to go off the board in round one. So at the end of round one, we've already got the top two tight ends off the board. Um, coming back the other way, right before I pick at 205, George Kittle gets selected. So now, basically, the, the top tier of tight ends is gone, and I'm looking at picking from um, the remaining running backs and wide receivers. So I go ahead and pick David Johnson, who I think is going to have a nice bounce back year. Last year was a complete disaster. So, you know, he's a, he's a first-round running back talent that, that's going cheap at a, at a second-round price right now. Um, to finish off the round at 209, Sony Michelle goes off, um, which to me is a little bit early in a full PPR format. He doesn't catch a lot of passes. Granted, he's a stud back, but uh, I don't know that he really merits a second-round uh, pick. In a, in a PPR format. At 2.10, Antonio Brown goes off. So this is basically where he's going. Late second round. Um, seems like a bargain right now. Ultimately, we won't know what, what to think until he finds uh, his new team. Um, so that's pretty much the highlights of the first couple rounds. So I've started off here with a, a wide receiver and a running back. Third round kicks off, and we've got Patrick Mahomes going off at the 302, which is about where he's going um, early in drafts. People who want him are, are grabbing him at, at the third round price. Personally, I'm not drafting quarterbacks that early, um, but you know, uh, if that's what people want to do, I, you can't blame them. I pray, probably he's not going to produce like he did last year, but nevertheless, that's where he's going. Um, Following Mahomes at the 303 is Carryon Johnson, then Damian Williams at the 304, who there was some speculation about him perhaps being overvalued, but given the the, the relatively weak um, running back class coming out, uh, concerns about him being usurped by an incoming rookie have, have, have come by the wayside. So I think he's going to be, um, you know, going in, in the early third sometimes even early, late second, so we'll get used to seeing him there. Um, at the 306 pick, Leonard Fournette goes off the board, who I would have selected at the 307. So I've been sniped twice already by my, my friends in the sixth spot. Um, actually, I'm, I'm familiar with the work of these guys who are drafted in the sixth slot. They're pretty seasoned high-stakes players, and they have certain tendencies um, which actually influenced my picks um, moving forward in the draft. At the 307, I go ahead and select Keenan Allen, who's just another solid pick, uh, just taking the value at that point, and he has less risk, in my opinion, than some of the other receivers that go after him. Thielen kind of declined. Hilton can be up and down. Stephon Diggs is you know, up and down, depending upon what's going on in Minnesota in a given week. And Marlon Mack and Derrick Henry finish off the third round. A.J. Green goes off at 401, and then a series of running backs go off. Aaron Jones, Jarek McKinnon, Philip Lindsay, Darius Geis. So I'm sitting at the 406, and 
I select Eric Ebron, who, with the Jack Doyle news of having hip surgery, I have a little bit more confidence in him um, producing at a similar uh, rate as he did last year. And I also know that the team sitting in the sixth spot, they do like to draft multiple tight ends early. So I, I need to get ahead of this, what I think is going to be a tight end run. Um, and FFPC drafts, uh, uh, the second tier of tight ends starts to go off late fourth round. So I'm trying to get ahead of that. And sure enough, at the 407, they select uh, O.J. Howard. So I kind of guess right on that. Right after him goes Hunter Henry, which maybe validates some of the thoughts that I've had on Hunter Henry going um, too early in that second tier of tight end. So I'm not the only person who is of that opinion with uh, team number six selecting O.J. Howard right before Hunter Henry. The end of the fourth round, we see David Njoku go off the board, Andrew Luck, Devontae Freeman, and Kenny Galladay. So nothing really earth-shattering happening uh, with respect to what we usually see in the FFPC drafts. So that's going to wrap up the first four rounds. And just to follow up on the Damian Williams comment, I'm participating in a best ball 10 right now. That's a slow draft. And he just went off at the 206. So uh, if he's on your radar, um, expect to see him go off earlier than you probably may have expected. Um, so we'll see how that uh, progresses as we move forward here. So let's take a look at now at rounds five and six. Team two starts with Evan Ingram at the 502, so he's the final tight end in that second tier of tight ends. Uh, shortly after that, Team 4 drafts their second quarterback in five picks, getting Deshaun Watson immediately after Andrew Luck. So I'm not a fan of two quarterbacks within your first five picks in, in this format, but perhaps they had a plan moving forward. Um, it's just not something I typically do. In this round, we see all three Rams receivers go off the board. Uh, Brandon Cooks, then Robert Woods at the 509, and Cooper Cup at the 510. Personally, I'm staying away from Cooper Cup. I think with the injury, uh, it's kind of questionable if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Um, but pretty much every draft I see, they're they're going relatively close. Uh, I guess there's production enough production for three receivers from the same team to come, you know, be taken in the fifth round, but <clears throat> remains to be seen. I'm going uh, Cooks or Woods when, I, when I'm taking either of those three. So I had the seventh pick here at the 507. I went with Chris Carson. He had a, a pretty strong showing in 2018. Some question about him, you know, maintaining that level of production in, in 2019. But I have a plan for that, and we'll see what happens in the seventh round as part of that plan. Um, coming back around in the sixth, we see the first rookie go off the board with Josh Jacobs at the 603. So his uh, failure to run a 40 at the combine um, didn't really scare people away. He may have even benefited based upon the results that the other rookie running backs had. And coming back for myself at the 606 was Kenyon Drake, who I think with Frank Gore unlikely to return, should, you know, 
get that lead role in Miami. He's certainly the most talented back on the roster. Um, bit of a risky pick. I mean, we'll see what happens at the rest of the, the preseason. Um, but with the dope factor of Adam Gase out of town, uh, you know, it, he should produce. He he was very productive in uh, 2018, even with Frank Gore in um, in the mix. He still had nine touchdowns and caught 53 balls. So he was still a good pick in the best ball format. Um, rounding out the sixth round, coming back, there is a run on receivers. Tyler Boyd, Alshon Jeffrey, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, and Corey Davis. I'm staying away from Davis so far this year. I've been burnt by him in the past. He's just, that Tennessee offense, it, it's not, you know, despite his talent, it's it's not resulting in um, huge numbers from Corey Davis on a consistent basis. And the final pick of the sixth round was Austin Hooper, who I do like. If he can score some more touchdowns um, in 2019, I think he's really part of that second tier of, of tight ends. Um, but his numbers are just a little depressed because of the lack of tight ends, or I'm sorry, the lack of touchdowns um, in 2018. Some interesting things coming out of rounds seven and eight next. Uh, Chris Herndon goes off the board at the 703, which is about two rounds ahead of his ADP. So he's drafted ahead of Rob Gronkowski, who goes to Team 6. And if you recall, this is the team that I said likes to draft their three tight ends relatively early, so they follow through on that. Um, I go with Rashad Penny at the 707. So I've now got both of the lead backs in the Seattle backfield. That seems like a lot of draft capital to spend on two running backs from the same team, especially that close. Um, So I don't know that I will make a practice of doing that, but the Seahawks do have the, you know, the most rushing yards um, in 2018. So they're a run heavy outfit and there should be enough production to go around for either of them. And if one or the other is injured, they could just really explode. So at the end of round seven, team 12 selects Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers as their two quarterbacks. Um, And in fact, they start a massive quarterback run as the next 14 out of 18 picks are quarterbacks. And at this point of the preseason, there's so many quarterback situations that are up in the air. There's even more anxiety than usual about securing your quarterbacks. So not surprising that this happened, but getting into a little bit about the psychology of a live draft versus a slow draft, you'll see this more often in a live draft, especially with quarterback, kicker, and defense. In a slow draft, people can sit back, take a look at the runs, maybe you know, plot some counter-strategies to what's going on, but in a live draft, there's just real anxiety going on, and people are just reacting to, to what's going on. Going down at the time, uh, during the run, I picked up Baker Mayfield, who's a solid selection for 2019, in my opinion. Situations greatly improved there, and I expect him to continue to go, do good things in 2019. Picked up Vance McDonald in the ninth round, so I kind of bucked the trend of uh, of the quarterback run myself on the way back. What ends up happening for me personally was having to draft Nick Foles in the 11th. 
Um, we'll get back to that when we get to those those rounds. So taking a look at rounds 10 and 11, we start to see a lot of rookies go off the board in round 10. DK Metcalf goes at the 10.01 with Kyler Murray going off at the 10.03. This is about six rounds earlier than where he went off at the, the live draft uh, two nights prior to this one. Could be a function of the quarterback run that happened just prior to this. And they're just grabbing um, some guy who seems to have a a surefire starting role with the Cardinals um, from what we're hearing. Uh, I take Larry Fitzgerald at the 10.06 as my third wide receiver. He's probably doesn't have the biggest upside, but his situation should be improved if, in fact, Murray is the quarterback there. Um, so... We're going to go with volume receivers in this draft, so he's going to be just, you know, we're not going to be relying on him. He's going to be part of a core of of receivers that we'll have uh, in play in any given week. Daryl Henderson, another rookie, goes at the 10.07 to Team 6. And just to, to jump ahead a little bit, Team 6 is going to end up drafting 10 running backs in this draft, and five of them are going to be rookies, so they're really going with the lottery pick uh, approach for their running backs, which I can't blame them. You know, odds are one or two of these guys are going to hit. So Henderson is actually his number two back that he takes in the 10th round after having only secured Leonard Fournette in the third round. So, again, this guy drafting in the sixth hole, he's a seasoned player. He knows what he's doing. Um... So we'll just have to see how it plays out over the course of the season. Uh, at the 10-12, Team 1 picks their third quarterback in Marcus Mariota. So they've gone quarterback, quarterback, quarterback in the 8th, ninth, and 10th round. And it's an interesting trio with Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Marcus Mariota. This is not your most uh, healthy set of, of, of quarterbacks to be rolling with, so... I like to have guys that are a little bit more healthy, um, just so you're not concerned about missing weeks. And, you know, he's he's got a high-risk uh, set of guys there, but we'll see how it plays out. Round 11 kicks off. At this point, most people have the core of their team in place. They're, you know, filling out, um, you know, the, the remaining positions on their roster. Um, they've got their cores in place. So in the 11th round, I grabbed my second quarterback, Nick Foles, who, uh, as a Philly guy, I've pretty much presumed he was going to be with the Jags for over a month now. So um, I actually grabbed him uh, at the 11.07 here. This is a couple days before the the news came out on uh, NFL.com and Roto World that you know he's going to sign a deal with the Jags. That's really not a shock to me. Um, ultimately, I end up just going with Mayfield and Foles as my quarterbacks. I, I don't feel great about that, um, but in, in these thirty fives, it's it's almost like an all or nothing approach because the top team takes, you know, 90% of the prize. So the first place team gets um, $300 and the second place team gets a $35 
entry into next year's team. So to to me, it's like it's it's first pace is is really the team that's going to be rewarded. So I'm going to use those extra spots to fill out with position players at other positions, and um, I don't know that the roster construction is going to be one of the ones that we identify as a high percentage winner um, because it's going to be kind of extreme. But uh, I'll talk about that towards the end with uh, with with how we we dive into the different roster constructions and have identified what the winning percentages are for pretty much any combination that you deploy in this format. We should also mention that Team 6 drafted Miles Sanders at the 1106 as a part of his ultimate set of five rookies out of ten running backs selected. And Sanders has basically jumped ten rounds um, since pre-combine uh, draft ADP. So he's probably the, the biggest you know, ascender out of any player that uh, performed well at the combines. So we'll see if that plays out. I mean, overall, it's, it's, it's not a, a tremendous rookie class. But um, with this guy in the six-hole grabbing five of them, we're sure he's going to pan out with, with, with at least one or two. So moving right along in round 12, uh, one of the players that I'm interested in is Jalen Samuels, who went off at the 12:04. He's not really getting much play right now. Everybody seems to be assuming that James Conner is going to get the featured, you know, workload in Pittsburgh. But Samuels is pretty inexpensive, and it's it's very possible he becomes a significant factor in that backfield. Um, we like to see Dallas Goddard on our team, so we drafted him at the 12.06. And there's a lot of paths for him to have success in 2019. Um, they're talking about getting rid of Nelson Aguilar and going with more two tight end sets, as well as if the scenario that something happened to Zach Ertz, then the sky's the limit for what Goddard could do. So at the beginning of the 13th round, T.J. Hawkinson gets selected at the 13.01. Um, at the 13.07, I select Anthony Miller as my fourth wide receiver. He should be one of the featured guys there in Chicago alongside Allen Robinson. I look for him to have a improved 2019 campaign. Um, interestingly, at the 14.08, Justin Tucker gets selected and triggers a kicker run where 14 kickers get selected in a row. Um, now, again, this is the anxiety of a live draft, and especially with kicker, job security is an issue in the preseason, and there are a lot of unknowns at that position. So more often than not, when those first kickers um, go off the board, people will jump on them so they don't get left out. They're going to be looking to get three kickers in most cases, which is going to be difficult to do with probably six or seven jobs kind of up in the air. So it's not surprising that this happened. Um, and there is a strategy to it. You know, a lot of other formats don't even have kicker um, as part of the lineup, but um, it definitely plays a part in uh, the FFPC. So there's, there is strategy to it. 
Um, and with the larger roster sizes, they're already accommodating for the kicker. So uh, it adds an element of excitement in many cases. Um, so the draft pretty much goes back and forth. People just filling out their rosters. Uh, ultimately, I end up with a roster construction of two quarterbacks, seven running backs, ten wide receivers, four tight ends, three kickers, and two defense. Now, we do have at FantasyMojo.com the win, win rates for every possible um, roster construction that was um, drafted in 2018. And we'll use that data to game plan prior to a draft based upon the draft slot that we've been assigned. We'll also refer to it during a draft in case we deviate from that plan and just to make sure we don't stray too far off course. Um, we'll also look at the composition of all the teams in a draft after completion to see what people did and if anything represents something really unusual. Um, see if maybe somebody eliminated themselves from contention just, you know, based upon what they did during a draft. Uh, a lot of times you'll have people go on auto-draft, and that can result in some really wild um, compositions. Um, but for the most part, we took a look at the uh, compositions in this particular draft, and it's pretty impressive. Most everybody ended up with a roster construction with the with a win rate between eight and uh, 14%. Team eight ended up with a, a roster construction of three quarterbacks, eight running backs, seven receivers, four tight ends, three defense, and three kickers. That was a 14.2% win rate in uh, 2018. Our roster of two, seven, 10, four, three, two was a 10% win rate. So despite it feeling kind of um, shallow in the quarterback and defense area, it still has a potentially good shot of uh, just, you know, being in the ballpark um, to maybe come in place. Now, the team, at, at, at Team 6, the guys who went and drafted the 10 running backs, they ended up with a roster construction of 3, 10, 7, 3, 2, 3. So, now, when we looked this up, that it was a seldom used construction in 2018. Only nine teams uh, attempted to uh, apply that uh, construction, and, and none of them won. So it actually had a 0% win rate in 2018. But again, we know this team. Um, they've won a lot of money in the past, so um, we wouldn't put too much stock in the the unusual nature of their construction. They're swinging for the fences. Uh, so, But we'll see how this plays out. And like I said, the, the board is posted in the show notes. And take a look at it, and we'll try to keep you up to date on uh, some more live drafts that are upcoming. This is Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com, and we'll see you all in the draft room.